Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one -on -one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. But before we get this show on the road, I want to say a quick thank you to GPS Radar for making this episode possible. GPS Radar is the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Hey, loyal listeners. Before we get started, I just want to give you all a big virtual bear hug for your continued support of the Fashion Your Seatbelt podcast. With each new podcast, our audience is growing by leaps and bounds. So please do keep telling all your friends and colleagues and even the people standing next to you in the checkout line about the podcast. Also, don't forget to leave a comment and let me know who you'd like me to interview next time. And just a quick suggestion, once you've finished listening to this podcast, please do check out the one I did with the Italian designer Marco Di Vincenzo, who is shaping the future of Italian fashion with his colorful and fun-loving collections. So now let's talk about today's guest, Jeremy Langmaid. He is the brand and content director of Mr. Porter. Full disclosure, I have known Jeremy for over a decade, and I have watched in amazement as he has created, launched, and grown the Mr. Porter website into an award-winning e-commerce platform created for men looking to have access to both the best fashion in the menswear market and the best editorial content. Content designed to help those men relate to their sartorial choices on a deeper level. The platform's Five Ways series and the how-to articles have helped men around the globe educate themselves and give them the tools to make them more savvy shoppers and dressers. Jeremy's focus is to create an overall brand vision for Mr. Porter, and since he first joined the company in 2010, he's been able to find that sweet spot between great content and great commerce. Blending product updates with Mr. Porter's weekly shoppable digital magazine, The Journal, its bi-monthly newspaper, The Mr. Porter Post, and its buzzy, ever-updating digital news source, The Daily. Before he worked at Mr. Porter, Jeremy was the editor-in-chief of Esquire from 2007 to 2010, and before that, he held that same position at the Interior Magazine Wallpaper from 2003 to 2007. And I can confirm that his love of interior design is still very strong. You just have to look at the interiors of his own home to realize that. And he also held stints working as the Life and Style editor for the London Evening Standard and the editor of the Sunday Times Style Magazine. So basically, the guy does fashion and style like the back of his hand. In 2014, Jeremy left Mr. Porter for Christie's Auction House, where he developed the editorial content for the e-commerce, digital, and communications department before returning to Mr. Porter just after a year to take up his current role at the company. And since then, he has seen the menswear industry evolve dramatically. Between the blurring of gender lines, the mixing of styles that sees athletic wear and streetwear blending with more tailoring, and the new trends towards menswear collections being shown with women's wear. So I took the Eurostar over to London to interview him at his company's headquarters, where a tour of the building included looking out over a whole new section that has just been allotted to the ever-growing Mr. Porter team. And as we talked inside one of the glass-walled conference rooms, the hustle and bustle of the busy company world on behind us was just further proof that Mr. Porter and Jeremy are heading into fashion's future full steam ahead. Jeremy, thank you so much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. And bringing me to your offices here in London, it's amazing. Well, thank you for coming. It's very flattering to be asked. <laughs> well, actually, you've been here at um, Mr. Porter since the beginning, right? Pretty much from since the jump? before the beginning. So this October, I would have been sitting in this office for nine years, which is a petrifying thought. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have never had the attention span to make anything last for nine years, so it's quite an achievement for me. Okay, well then, so what is it about it that makes it so attractive to you? They want to stick with it for so long. They have very um, effective security locks on the door, so <laughs> I have not been able to escape as much as I've tried. No, um, it's, it's, I think when you, when you help uh, launch a brand, it, it's an awful cliche, but it does feel like your baby. Mm -hmm. um, and you do want to watch it grow, and it's hard to walk away from it, um, and hard to let, let, let go of that bit of control, I suppose, in case they don't do it how you think it should be done. So, Because that's what brought you back, because you took a step away and then I you did. came back. I, I, after about three and a half, four years, Christie's asked me to go and launch mm -hmm. their online content, their content there. And I do think, well, I've done fashion for so long, I'd love to know about art and how amazing we paid to learn about something. Mm -hmm. So I went to Christie's and it was really fascinating. Um, but it was, um, the, the art world moves at a much slower pace and I found that a little frustrating. Mm -hmm. And um, after 12 months, Natalie had said, oh, you know, will you come back to this slightly bigger role at Mr. Porter? And uh, I, I jumped back. It wasn't a hard decision. Okay. All right, all right. <laughs> so you kind of a year away. Yeah, and, and give it a little perspective. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. as you were away, the perspective was what? Between you and me and the rest of the world, the, the menswear space has really changed, even I would say arguably more than the women's wear uh, space. So. so what did you want to do when you came back, and how have you seen this space evolve over that time? Well, I think the changes were huge, but what, what happens um, is, is, you know, when you work in, in the fashion silo for, for quite some time, that's the world you see and you believe that everyone's obsessed with with sneakers and sportswear. Very true. And of course a lot of people are. Um, but getting off to work at somewhere like Christie's where, where I remember um, one day I was bouncing up the stairs wearing a pair of white sneakers on a Friday afternoon and I just heard this voice looking up from the, from, from, from below going, my God, trainers. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> well, it was sort of, I'm like, wow. But also it was a, a very pertinent reminder that not everyone's as fashion forward as everyone else. Mm -hmm. And there's still a large swathe of people who have to dress very conservatively for work mm -hmm. and who don't run at the same pace as everyone else, particularly if they're not wearing sneakers. But I mean, it's still, we've got, there the silos between um, casual and sport and then, you know, the the more corporate, the, the three-piece suit, etc. That stuff has started to blur more and more. Granted, we're at the forefront of that sure. fashion. How is Mr. Porter um, sharing or explaining how mm. that evolution is happening to its clientele? Well, I mean, as you say, the fashion world has menswear has changed beyond recognition. Um, and when we launched, we, we kind of launched ourselves as quite a conservative, um, with quite a conservative buy. It's mm -hmm. very much tailoring and Italian sportswear. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, things started to evolve and then things started to run at breakneck pace. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, now we've got over 500 brands and uh, you know some of our biggest brands are, are you know Gucci and Balenciaga and, mm -hmm. and Off-White and that's all about sportswear and off-duty mm -hmm. wear so the, the change has been enormous mm -hmm. um, and I think a big part of that change um, has, has, has been obviously the way the world is evolving but actually hugely down to to the web because because mm -hmm. guys are now able to see what other men are wearing mm -hmm. um, make sure that they don't get it wrong so you can see how to get it right and most importantly of all they don't have to ask anyone that question okay. um, so you can you can be 
ignorant anonymously and I think that's the joy of the internet is mm -hmm. we none of us needs to ask questions we're embarrassed of and see someone's face looking at us disapprovingly. Yeah but you have but for those who want to ask those embarrassing questions it looks like here you're expanding your team of, uh, of personal shopping, personal team. shopping yeah, team. Absolutely and they have very one-on-one -on -one relationships with all yeah. of clients um, and, and you know, they built quite a close relationship mm -hmm. with those guys. Um, and we get we got asked lots of questions through through social media now, mm -hmm. which we answer. We sort of do star clinics on Facebook and really? through Instagram. It's amazing how many questions we get asked. I remember way back in the day when you first launched, we were we, we had did a round table together and you talked about how there was a large percentage of women actually buying for the men in their life. Is that still the case or have men really taken control of their own wardrobes um, more? No, still quite a lot of women buying for them, but particularly um, it's quite seasonal. So I'd say from probably October to December, particularly in the gifting season, mm -hmm. um, over 30% of our customer base is female. So really shoots up them. Mm -hmm. But still a lot of women buy, buy but, it, but it's sort of not necessarily wives buying for their husbands or Obviously, there is a, a large part of that, but it's, it's gifts, you know, it's buying presents for sons, brothers, dads. Okay. So, um, and I think clothes have become a, you know, a more popular gift to give men because men tend to know more about their sizes, women tend to know what the sizes of the guys are, and mm -hmm. so it's easier to buy men clothes than perhaps it used to be before, and also it's easy to return them. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the evolution with social media because when we, again, when we started, there was no Instagram, or not really, there was no, it was, all that stuff yeah, was really new yeah. and all of that shoppability and everything. Can you talk a little bit how your strategy, how you're connecting with your consumers, how you're embracing that and, and using it to your advantage sure. here? Well, I mean, you're right. I remember, you know, when we had that talk and, and, and social media was like, a, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, Instagram has been um, a fantastic inspiration platform for mm. us where men look to see, you know, what's available, how to wear it, five ways to wear it, mm -hmm. and so very instructional. Facebook is, is probably a, a very big platform for us as a sales tool. Really? Um, and also Facebook's really good as a traffic driver to the website. And actually we're, we're about to start, which we haven't done um, yet, is, is Pinterest. And we always thought that perhaps Pinterest is a little bit more uh, women's focused mm -hmm. or a bit more design focused. Mm -hmm. um, but actually a lot of men are, are, are pinning boards about what they want each season and what to wear. And so you're having to change all the time. And of course, uh, video is, is, is so important now and everyone's working out how to embrace that high-low mix of video, particularly for luxury brands and mm -hmm. I still think a lot of people have got to work that out, they haven't quite sussed it. Because mm -hmm. um, it's getting that mix of you know beautiful long-form video that's perhaps six minutes and tell the story mm -hmm. um, eloquently or perhaps it's someone explaining something um, entertainingly and that will sit on YouTube and then you want to produce a different video content or sit on um, Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. Um, and that needs to have a different feel. So Very true. we now have to. I mean, what's nice is about what you do and what I do is, and I've always done is we've told stories, yes. storytellers. But the way that we have to deliver those stories has changed beyond recognition. Uh -huh. um, and, and also, each platform wants its story told in a different way. And that's the thing, you can't have to tell the same story twice on two different platforms. No, no. no. A, a video that sits on YouTube is not going to perform as well as one that sits on Insta Story, you know, all the other way around. So, uh -huh. you really do have to tailor the content for the platform. So, it means, you know, rethinking the same story in many different ways. But it's quite fun. You have all of these different things you need to deal with. Tell me a little bit about a day in your life. Like, how, what, how does it go? What's the process? Oh, well, we have... <laughs> I love the start. Because <laughs> um, it's content, because it's e-commerce, because it's marketing, because it's social. There's so many different layers to a business like this. So um, 
we, we, we have to deal with so many different elements. Um, so I, I just mostly sit in meetings. Really, my, my role now is, is to empower the people who are coming up in our organisation, mm -hmm. get people to see things in different ways. It's kind of off tangent on that, mm -hmm. about that, like, for example, TikTok is coming out now, and, and like, how do you make a decision whether or not you're going to dip your toe into that? Is there a lot of a conversation about that? Or? Yeah, we do. We have to think about everything, because, you know, it, 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 you've, you, we've got to really be able to focus on something to do it properly. And so exactly. Yeah, it's too thin. Exactly. So it's really hard picking where to focus on. Mm -hmm. But, but but usually, I mean, you know, the, the great thing about the online world is you get feedback so quickly, True. and you get data so quickly, mm -hmm. um, and so you're you're able to nimbly. Uh, people basically tell you what they want. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, our job is easier because we're not having to guess anymore what people mm -hmm. wanted. You know, when you used to produce a print magazine, you think, oh, who made like this feature, mm -hmm. and you never really knew. Yeah. <laughs> you knew how many copies of the magazine sold. You know, if they read page twenty-eight or if they read page fifty-seven. True. And did they smile when they were reading it, or did they frown? Mm -hmm. Whereas with a story you publish online, you can see how many people visited, how long they read it for, or if they shot from it. So mm -hmm. there's so many ways to judge the success of, uh, of a story now. Mm -hmm. In a way, it's it's easier. Well, I mean, that's really interesting what you said, because, you know, at, at Launchmetrics, where I work, the data really does drive... It supports the creativity. It says it indicates what the gut reactions mm -hmm. are. Would you say that data analytics and all that stuff is a real cornerstone to the yeah. choices that you make? In each of our editorial teams, or Mr. Porter and on Etaporte, we have a data analytics person who sits within that team mm. because we're constantly monitoring how it's performing. You know, obviously making sure it's SEO friendly um, and and making sure that that journey doesn't, uh, you know, each story just doesn't sit somewhere else. It's got to go into that mm -hmm. into that network and, and appear in lots of guises in different ways. And so it really is a a hand-in-hand -hand collaboration with, with, with the data and analytics team as well as the editorial team. And, mm -hmm. But of course you have to make a, a judgment, you can't be led by no, data. No, absolutely, supported. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's getting that balance. I mean, if we listen to the very brilliant SEO guys in our team... You make have sure everything has Kim Kardashian somewhere <laughs> in the... In the <laughs> I know, so you still need that human touch to get that balance right. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what you're like number one you know, evergreen yeah. post or video is, and then just like, what are the ones that really seem to... But the most popular video we've ever run so far, I believe, is um, how to clean your white sneakers. Really? The, the type of content that remains the most popular is anything with how-to in it. Oh. Um, and, and also five ways. Um, and the how-to is, is the fear of getting it wrong, and so mm -hmm. the how-to is helping people get it right. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's the confidence that men now have with that knowledge that's made it possible for them to experiment far more, which is why you could walk down the street and this guy's wearing colours and print that... Would never have happened. Would never, never. Have. When we first started stocking really bright print shirts, maybe five, six, even seven years ago now, I remember thinking, whoa, those are going to hang around. Mm -hmm. But they didn't, you know. Oh. Colour, um, you know, I think it was the summer before that sort of pale sound pink that yes. was very popular, flew out. Huh. So men are a lot braver, but also I think colour works particularly well for e-commerce because it pings off the screen. So yeah, I think that's yeah. why colour print is Yeah, it's works. like clickbait Instagram. I mean, that was a conversation I had with Abarabaz, who one of his last shows for Nonbound was like really bright. He's like, I'm catering because those are the yeah. photos that are going to go on Instagram. Those are the ones that we'll read. If I do an amazing black dress, you won't be able to, it won't, you know. Yeah, a few years ago, a friend of mine said, oh, there's this, the, uh, the local vet's got some kittens that have been left on the street, you know, wants to take them, will you? Oh, really, I really don't want any cats. Well, I felt sorry because they showed me the picture. So I went down to the NSPCC and they said, yeah, we've got these sweet kittens and there's these lovely little black kittens. 
And they said, we just can't find new homes. And I said, why? And she said, because black pets don't show up so well on Instagram. Oh my God. Isn't that the most shocking thing? And, and black is such the eternal fashion color. I, I mean, but, but black, I guess, across, yeah. Yeah, across any field. That's I so mean, unbelievable that, that that's how you, how you get pets placed. It makes me think about, um, that just leads perfectly into this idea of like the influencer space and um, you know, brands teaming up with influencers and using influencers. And how how is this whole new, Brands, you know, you have your own media where you're connecting directly with your your customer, but there is this kind of peer-to-peer -peer, um, relationship that a lot of the followers really have with the, this whole influencer sphere. How are you embracing that influencer sphere or adapting to it? I think we've embraced it tentatively, mm. and I think we probably need to experiment more uh, uh, here at Mr. Porter. Mm -hmm. I think it's far, far bigger with women's wear than men's wear. Interesting. Okay. I think women tend to be more openly, mindedly admire how other women dress and are more intrigued by how women dress. And also women feel more comfortable, particularly that influence would be great on, on posting, hey, this is what I'm wearing today. Mm -hmm. When men try and do it, there's a few of them who do, sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable. I don't mm -hmm. know why, even in this day and age. Um, and I think guys are still sometimes a bit wary of other guys looking better than them. Really? So we often found that the you know, if we ran a star like on story or how to dress like story, mm -hmm. the, the, the ones that tended to lead to the most sales or the most uh, positive feedback were ones that featured dead movie stars. Really? Because really, they're non-threatening. I think that's what it was, Jessica. I really thought about it. A, they were iconic. I mean, they're iconic, yeah, yeah. But then I thought, you know, it's more than that. I think it's they're dead and they're not a threat. <laughs> <laughs> so we can be quite a malicious gender still. <laughs> Um, I found it interesting that um, one of you talked about sneakers being a top seller, but that also Mr. P, the your internal brand, is like going gangbusters. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. So I think we launched it um, in was it 2015. We had so much feedback, obviously, from all our customers, mm -hmm. and so much dialogue with all our customers through, through various platforms and the personal shopping team. Mm -hmm. And so we knew what they wanted. We knew what they sometimes or often felt was missing. Mm -hmm. And we'd often see certain brands produce the perfect white shirt or navy blazer or jacket, and they would sell like wildfire. And of course, being a fashion brand, they didn't do it the next season or right. the season after. And so guys, oh, I can't get that. I found a perfect white shirt, and no one does it anymore. So it was those staples that were not too classic, but would fit into almost any wardrobe, plus a few easy entry style um, fashion forward items mm -hmm. that, that we, we thought, well, we could just do a Mr. P collection. It would be really good quality, really good prices, um, and basically designed by the people who know what you want because we listen to what you want from your feedback on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed like a, a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting in that um, it's, it's cyclical in a way. It's almost a see now by now because the drops are really quite short. I mean, you have, yeah. I mean, I'm throwing a, throwing a curveball at you. Is that really like a, a strategy that's interesting? Does the, this idea of a, you know, evergreen and always fresh and, you know, everything Well, else? exactly. So we're, like, we're about to launch our 10th Mr. P collection. Wow. Um, and the idea was, uh, uh, not particularly original, but still not done by that many people, was to have clothes that were, were season now friendly. Mm -hmm. So I want the perfect white t-shirt when it's hot. I don't yeah. want the raincoat when it's raining. Yeah, because it doesn't make hot. sense anymore. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. So so we so that's why we're doing so many drops so that mm -hmm. e e each collection is totally relevant to, to the moment. To the moment and, mm -hmm. and, and the weather. Well, yeah, exactly. Do <laughs> you still feel like there are seasons? I mean I feel like that, that that seasons have faded away. I think seasons are fading away. Yeah. Um, um, I mean the, the weather 
literally. Yeah, cool, literally. Those seasons yeah. are fading away, and, and, and people aren't wanting to be so overt about swapping from one look to another. And, mm-hmm. and that's why, again, with you know, Mr. P, like these navy drawstring trousers I've got on a, a Mr. P book, we do a version of these every collection because they're mm-hmm. classic, they're so easy to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to stop doing them. We'll just change the fabric so it varies from season to season. Yeah, they're a little bit heavier. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. And what do you think along those same lines uh, with the evolution of the fashion industry? One of the things we noticed in a report that we did at Launchmetrics was that um, menswear that was incorporated into women's wear or women who were brought into the menswear shows like we saw at Berluti, for example, this last season, um, that those shows seem to resonate more and have a more impact that they, or, you, or you'll have a Gucci where it's all together in one. What do you think about that? Do you think it need, they need to be separate? Do you like that they're together? Do you find... I, I think it makes more sense um, commercially to have them together. Mm-hmm. I think it it makes more sense financially to have them together, particularly you know, people like you who, who go to thousands of fashion yeah, shows. literally thousands so of fashion bring, shows. Bring them together because mm-hmm. you know it's a huge budget to have mm-hmm. those, to, you know pay for those, that travel on those hotels. Also, people are out of the office a huge amount of time. I mean, the buying team here are, are you know at market eighty percent of the year. They never stop traveling, so the easier that can be made for them, the better, better. and the more open they'll, they'll be to that. But, and, and I think you know what's also changed, maybe more in menswear, is, is as you mentioned, that the sort of the the, the trends are there, but they're not so dictatorial. Yeah. Um, um, you don't have to adhere to looks quite as strictly as people tried to make you before, and mm-hmm. and, and that's because there's, there's now so many fashion tribes, so it's impossible to make so many people who dress so differently adopt the same trends at the same time. Mm-hmm. It does feel like everybody is, there's much more of the sense of individuality in a way that wasn't there maybe 10 years ago. No, I mean, much more so, uh, and that's through confidence, uh, in, in a way geography's got smaller, and, and, and but you know, if you look at sportswear and you've got you know, that, that sort of West Coast LA brands like Amiri, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazingly um, sort of creative, embellished sportswear, mm-hmm. and some of the colours and the embroidery are pretty out there. Yeah. And yet, you know, that sells really well hmm. um, um, to, to that, that core West Coast kid and, and those who want to adopt it. And then you've got your sort of Balenciaga and your Gucci again, very mm-hmm. embellished. And, but and in a different way completely. In yeah. a different way, and that'll be really popular in Asia. Mm-hmm. And then in the US, they're a little bit more conservative and, mm-hmm. and on the East Coast. And I, I mean, it's fascinating seeing how the tribes, each tribe is getting stronger and stronger and more differentiated from the other one. Yeah. And that's as it should be. You choose what you wear, when you want to wear. Fashion and nationalism. <laughs> I wouldn't quite say democracy. No. <laughs> but certainly more choice. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, I know that um, you have a new um, initiative that you're doing called HIM, HIM? Yeah, Health in Mind. Yeah, Health in Mind. So, um, how did this come about? And, and what is the... Yeah, tell me a little bit well, more about um, the initiative. Uh, you know, we, we, we've um, um, helped out with various charities o- over the years, um, and also we've got bigger and more successful, and therefore you want to give something back. Mm-hmm. And all lovely, but actually we thought if we get behind one initiative, we can really put money behind it, put content behind mm-hmm. it, put events behind it, and really, really um, go for it. And the men's mental health is a big issue at the moment. You know, but, uh, a lot of men and women, um, obviously with mental brand, are under huge amounts of stress. Mm-hmm. There was even a report in the paper today about anxiety, bigger and bigger under a younger yes. generation. Yes, I think true. there's a, uh, a male suicide every 20 minutes. I mean, it's quite shocking. 
Um, and yeah, because I mean, not not to be so blunt about it, but uh, and, and I'm a woman, and I guess I could say this is that there was a focus as you know, meet the Me Too and that whole thing. Yeah, so it's interesting for you guys to come in. Granted, it's Mr. Porter, so that yeah. it's, that fits with well, you. Well, that you know, and, and the rules are changing, yeah. and and um, and boundaries are coming down, and that's a great thing. Yeah. But it can also add confusion because yes. people get well, well I'm, I'm not quite sure now, and, yeah. and so having choice is wonderful, but it does come at a price yes. because then you've got to make those choices, and yes. you've got to be sure you're making the right choice. That's the stress. Yeah, yeah, and that's the stress. And also careers and jobs are really stressful, you know, mm -hmm. the, the economy is bonkers. Um, uh, so many areas of life outside of the fashion world okay, yes. um, or our domestic world are, you know, beyond comprehension of how hard they can be. So we just really want to do a, a proper, something proper to help. And mm -hmm. so we're going to be doing um, uh, monthly um, content projects that we're publishing, you know, how to lead a better life, how to lead a happier life. Um, looking at sort of friendship, um, work-life balance, so a, a content program that will go on continually, not, not just for a set amount of time. That's fantastic. Okay, so you're talking about advice and, and, and funds, of course, so pivoting to um, style advice, I'm curious mm -hmm. to know the best piece of style advice you ever got. Well, it's really hard. There's two bits and um, two very different ones. One I never remember, so I always have to write it down. But it was it's that classic um, Hardy Amy's quote, ah. um, which um, yeah, you know, he, he did that brilliant that brilliant star book. And my favourite was his not quote, and was a man should look. He's bought his clothes of intelligence, put them on with care, and then forgotten all about them. Mm. And I think that's so absolutely 100% right. Absolutely right on. So that would be one. And then the other much simpler advice, and I can't remember who gave it to me, it might have been A.A. A. Gill, mm. uh, who used to work with me at the Sunday Times, and that was smile. Smile? And I think a smile is the most stylish thing you can put on. I genuinely believe that. Whatever you're wearing, whatever's going on, if you smile genuinely, boom, you yeah. Have yeah, that's what everybody notices. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you're wearing. No. Okay, so now um, I'm going to pivot to the um, five generic fashion questions that I ask Ooh, everyone. Okay. So it, it's easy. I'm sure you'll get these, <laughs> and no problem. So, what is um, your favorite piece of clothing that you own? Um, ooh, a navy blazer. Um, by office in general. I know it's double breasted, but it's casual, so it looks really nice with jeans. It can mm -hmm. also look nice with a pair of you know just just uh, chinos. The nice thing about a navy blazer is. Um, doesn't show up you spill your food, which is very important with me, very messy eater. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're feeling crumpled after a journey or a bad day, you put on that little bit of navy blazer armour, it just gives your whole body a bit of structure and makes you feel a bit taller and a bit more energetic. Okay. And I think navy is the most flattering colour you know, any man can wear. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I usually ask, um, what is the one item a woman should really invest her money in? But this time I'm going to ask, what is that one item a man should really just, if you're going to save up and buy that one thing, what is it? A good coach because it's the first thing someone sees when you walk into the room and the last thing they see when you leave the room. Okay. All right. So then my next question is, who is your favorite designer, living or dead? Ooh. I ask everybody, so don't feel. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Halston. Why Halston? Because he surprised um, me. Um, he's one of my heroes um, because I thought he was impeccably stylish. That's true. Um, I loved the uh, his his monochrome approach to dressing, but with that splash of red, mm -hmm. and the fact that he had the same approach to his beautiful uh, home in in, in Manhattan. Um, he 
whatever state he was in always managed to look together and lying on a banquet in Studio 54 after sort of 12 hours of, of debauchery. <laughs> Still looked polished. <laughs> um, he had the most extraordinary offices, you know, that in that, I can't remember what the building was, but that whole glass. The wall? Uh, the whole glass walls, which cost him a fortune. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where he held his shows, mm-hmm. and that's where his meetings were. He just knew how to present. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he, he was witty, stylish, and a little bit naughty, and I think that's my perfect combination of anything. I think that describes you as well, a little bit there, Jeremy. Um, okay, what trend would you never follow? Mm, those giant sneakers. That the ones that weigh like popular. like yeah. 100 pounds? Like the triple S by this. Yes, yeah. the balance. Because I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the things is... Is, um, is, there a promo, is there a moment when you age out of it stuff? You do. Is, in menswear, you, really? I, th- I think, yes. I, and I, I think you know, a lot of the sports wear around at the moment, um, not sweatpants and all that, because um, everyone does their versions of it. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, you couldn't see me in off-white and could be upsetting for everyone. <laughs> or, or even me in those, those giant sneakers. Um, I sort of love them when people wear them with their narrow pants and you have this giant disproportionate foot on the end. Mm-hmm. Think with those big pops of colour. Um, but uh, yeah, not for me. Um, and then I, the last question is, what do you love most about fashion? Um, uh, I think the fact that it has the ability to make people feel good, which mm-hmm. is, is, is never given quite as much... Uh, you as it should do. Um, the fact that it can be absolutely absurd and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of my favourite things I ever read in a magazine was an interview with a, one of the you know, top stylists and, and uh, the interviewer asked her what her favourite colour was and she said shiny. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought only in the fashion world would someone say it's shiny. And it's, 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 it's the eccentricities like that that made me love it for its bonkersness sometimes. Jeremy, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Not at all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love fasting your seatbelt, by the way. You do? It's such a good app. I love the box and I love the name. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Fashion Your Seatbelt is made possible thanks to the wonderful people at Launchmetrics, the software company that is powering the fashion industry, and GPS Radar, the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect in style. I am a member of GPS Radar, and I can tell you, as a journalist, it has made my work life run much more smoothly. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.